Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports, objective insight, expertise, top guest, available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Here we go. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you may be watching to you and yours with Caleb Calhoun. I am Dave Hooker. We've got a lot to get to, including some potential former ball draft destinations. Also, Tennessee picks up a big time commitment from a Georgia defensive lineman that will break into recruiting the transfer portal. Will the Vols go after anyone in that portal? Boy, it's tough to predict, but I'm going to go ahead and say that they're not going to pass on everybody in the portal. They will take somebody. And also some rules changes in the clock and how they affect Tennessee that is so heavily influenced by the clock and keeping the chains moving. So maybe affects the Vols a little bit more. Good morning, Caleb Calhoun, or good afternoon or good evening. Whenever you happen to be watching this, we broadcast live at 10 a.m. on weekdays Eastern time. You can certainly download the app or you can go with that link tree that's connected here and find different ways to listen to us. We Cleared 2,000 subscribers over the weekend, so not even being in existence for a year. That's pretty cool. Uh, Caleb Calhoun deserves an awful lot of credit for that. He's cutting up video like crazy. He's like the Edward Scissorhands of video uh, editors in the evening. Uh, so he's uh, he's doing that on YouTube. And we've got a lot of good things coming up this week. 
I think we might have our first John Adams appearance stopping in. I know that we will have, uh, how about Josh Ward, Fred White, and the Celebrate 98 series is right around the corner. So get the app or be sure you've got your notifications on because I have a Cooper Mays piece that I'm going to put up just uh, here in a little bit that I think you will certainly enjoy. Caleb, how are you, sir? Pretty good. I hope it's not like Edward Scissorhands. That would be impossible for me to work on the computer at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like you have digital scissor hands. Edward digital hands. Edward, yes. So like your chop, chop, chopping is happening in the computer, if that makes sense. Fair enough. Um, this, 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 is, this is a sequel, Dave. The Edward Scissorhands sequel right now. We're throwing it out there. I think I somehow, yeah, Edward, I wrote the Top Gun 2 sequel just for the record, and I wrote it years ago. I mean, I I knew positively that that's what they were going to do. So I'll try to write the Edward Scissorhands uh, follow-up. I don't know how that we can do that. I think that was pretty self-encapsulated. So, all right, a lot going on, but Tennessee picks up a commitment. Let's talk some crouton as we like to do that because – Whatever happened, that early uh, signing day has moved the busy months of December and January into like April, May, and June. So we're going to talk some Cruton right now. Talking Cruton brought to you by Andy Mason, andymasonrealestate.com. Talking Cruton. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Who's on Tennessee's board? The names you need to know exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. Tell me about Tennessee's newest commitment. I'll tell you that it's brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. It'll save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on any real estate transaction because there are 40 years of experience in his office, and he's awesome. And he cares about you, and they have the best prices. They have the best service in the biz. So AndyMasonRealEstate.com is phenomenal. Save you thousands or tens of thousands of dollars. Hit that like button. Let's bring more people in. A big crew already on this Monday morning, and I'll get to the message board. But first, get me caught up to date with Tennessee football recruiting as you rock the nice sport coat, Caleb Calhoun, always updressing me. <laughs> well, this uh, cl- this recruit won't necessarily dress up the class on paper, but he could be the steal of the classes I wrote on Friday. Jeremiah Hurd is a two, 247 sports composite three-star at a model high school in Rome, Georgia. He is a three-star on 247 Sports and on three, but he's not yet rated on Rivals or ESPN. The reason for that is he's a member of the 2024 class. He didn't play football until this past year, which would have been his junior year. He hadn't played football since eighth grade before then, so he missed ninth and 10th grade playing football. So he's just now getting noticed, and Tennessee was one of the first schools to offer him. Alabama has since taken a pretty big interest, reportedly, and it sounds like Georgia had taken an interest too. And it sounded like it was going to take this year for him to really build his profile. But Tennessee offered first, so he committed to Tennessee. He stands at 6'7", 295. I think this is somewhat of a, you could say a gamble, but I think it has more to do with, look, Tennessee has the best defensive line recruiter in the SEC. And I mean, in terms of recruiting and in terms of talent evaluating and Rodney Garner. So my guess is Rodney Garner just found this guy before anybody else found him and that you're going to start seeing more hype grow behind him over the coming months as more schools get interested. 
Okay, so let me ask you about him for a second because basically he's three different kinds of players. He's, you know, when he's not ranked, he's either the type of player that Tennessee saw early and they wanted to go ahead and offer because they think he's really, really just that good. Okay. There's the other type of prospect that he could be that you're in the Georgia area. You want to get a head start on the Bulldogs because you think other programs like uh, Georgia will come calling. I know we're projecting here and he's a three-star guy now, but the third option is he just isn't very good and can't play, which I don't think that's the case. But when we talk about Hurd at 6'7", 295 pounds, do you think other schools will come calling like Georgia, which is just down the road? And also address, if you can, Caleb, how it's odd to me, at least it is to me, maybe it's not you, these guys typically commit and hold them. Used to be when you committed throughout the year and you didn't have the early signing day in December, a commitment in April, I just always thought it was stupid. I didn't think it held half the time. They do hold most of the time now. So thoughts on other schools coming after Hurd and why he may hold, because that tends to be the norm, which still surprises me. I think, and I can't prove this, so to, to your second question. Okay. I think a lot of what goes into recruiting visits has to do with donor money. Like we know the facilities, like the college football facilities are the best in the world. They're better than the NFL facilities because there was no, you weren't allowed to pay players. So they poured all their money into the facilities that came through donor money. So I think a lot of what went into a recruiting visit came with. So I think the recruiting visits were much more fun before NIL. And I think some of the donor money is being redirected to pay the players rather than make sure they have the best experience possible on their recruiting visit. Okay. So it's not worth it to take all these visits anymore. Now that's interesting. Okay. So you're saying when they roll out the red carpet during the football season, which they still do, but most of the guys are already committed. So when they roll out the red carpet or big orange carpet, you, you, you don't think that that is as big of a factor as coaches identifying guys early, having them to summer camp. And are you taking this a step further that a financial deal is already in place with some of these guys? Like Nico? I think, I think, I think for some, a financial deal is already in place. I think the other part is, I think the red carpet is just not the red carpet that it used to be. And so I think that I can't prove it. Cause I don't know the, I don't know if the recruiting budget comes from donor money comes from the just directly what the football program generated in revenue. I don't know how that money was, you know, redirected, but what I will say is if donor money was going to the recruiting budget, then that money is going to be spent less on the recruiting budget and more on buying the players, meaning the schools may deprioritize whatever they do. And there were some suspicions on some things Tennessee did back in the day to give the recruits the best experience possible when they visit campus. I I think it's, I think it's a little bit simple and maybe, maybe more simple than that. There could be a financial arrangement in place. Uh, There's not supposed to be with recruiting, but there could be. And the other thing that I think is the simplistic way of answering why guys are committed early and sticking early is I truly believe that with with the ability to transfer that these guys look at it as, hey, I might be at school X for a year, but if I don't dig it, I'm cruising. 
So I think that's part of it as well. You make the early commitment. The sales pitch is just completely different now. You're saying, you're saying, Caleb Calhoun, you want to be a part of my program at Hooker University. <laughs> at Hooker University. Great school. Yeah, it's a great school. It's got an AD. Or no, yeah, uh, Hooker's the AD, and you can get an associate's degree if you want in just plain pimping. But, but, but yeah. I'm I'm telling you in this is why I think they're sticking on in April, March, April, May. I can tell you that I'm holding this scholarship for you as long as you keep progressing. And I don't hear that you're skipping class in high school. And and I think you're progressing as a football player and you can always transfer if you're not happy. And trust me, any coach now worth his salt is going to tell you that you need to transfer if you can't find a spot on the field pretty quick. I think it's as simple as that, Caleb. I think that's why guys are committing earlier. I think Tennessee is still out in front of the curve with the Georgias and Alabamas because they have to be. But I think as much as anything, Josh Heupel is getting commitments saying, listen, you're going to love it so much that if you don't like it, then you can just transfer. It's that simple. You can cruise on. And he hasn't held anybody back from transferring, nor does he even have the power to anymore. You know, that's a good point. I never thought about that. I was thinking like three layers down the road, and you're right, it is a lot more simple. It is the transfer portal opens up more opportunities. As for this guy, uh, the first question you asked, which was, is it, well, it was three things. It was, was he really, really good and just hasn't been noticed yet? Was Tennessee trying to get out of the head of, ahead of Georgia because he's in Georgia, or is he just not very good? I think it's a combination of the first two. I think they think he's going to be really, really good. And I think they scouted him last fall playing football. But again, you have to remember, he hasn't gone to any camps. He hadn't been with any, he hadn't done any of that stuff because he hadn't played football until last year in high school. So I think Tennessee scouted him. And then they saw, they said to their, they thought this is a Georgia kid. We need to go ahead and offer him now before he starts to rise through the camps this spring and football next fall where he starts to rise. So we need to go ahead and get him now. I think that's what they thought. And again, if, if anybody's going to scout talent that's not yet recognized on the defensive line in the SEC, Rodney Garner's that guy, isn't he? No, I would certainly think so. And I, I think you have another sales pitch with Robert Ayers and that you, you're you working with not only a guy who has developed players in Rodney Garner for a number of years in the SEC, but you're also talking about a guy who played in the league for right at – a dozen years. So that's pretty impressive. Now the transfer portal is set to open. And I think you would ideally only be in the market for one or two players at the very most. So let me, let me go into the transfer portal uh, for a moment and get your thoughts and see if people are interested in these guys over at uh, Tennessee, because I think they're going to pick up a couple of people in this uh, new transfer portal. Cause guys can figure out, Hey, I'm not a great fit at my current university let's make a move somewhere else we're seeing that in basketball but the football calendar i think you're going to see that even more so let's go to four downs now and uh, four downs is brought to you by who well i'll tell you in just a moment first i'll remind you that zul beer xulbeer.com is a fantastic partner with the program the official craft beer of off the hook sports man Worldwide award-winning craft beer parking downtown. You just don't get that all the time. It is awesome. It is zulxulbeer.com. Check them out. They bring you four downs. 
Let me get to that right now. Part brought to you by Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Hawk. Four downs. Four questions. Four answers. The Dave Hooker Show. Four. 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 Downs. A presentation of offthehooksports.com. Did a little pool time over the weekend. Enjoyed it. Why? Because I didn't have to worry about contacts or glasses. Campbell Cunningham and Taylor and Han. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han is phenomenal. And they will take care of your vision, whether it's LASIK like me, cataracts, or just your regular vision. They've got the vision centers to do that as well. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han, and they are local right there in the Knoxville area. So four downs, first down quarterback this would be an opportunity for Tennessee to pick up a quarterback when all said and done will they pick up another quarterback to have three scholarships on roster on the roster I don't think this says anything about Joe Milton or Nico I just think it says three scholarships on the roster are significant same time bumped into somebody on Friday afternoon they said they really like Gaston Moore does Tennessee okay with Gaston Moore as the third string guy as it looked like in the orange and white game, or do they need to do something to do something now, Caleb? I think ideally they would lo- they should try to add a veteran quarterback that could bring depth, but my prediction is that's not going to happen. They had two scholarship quarterbacks last year. They're going to have two this year. They'll be fine if they need they, they seem fine if they have to go with Gaston Moore. The chances of that seem highly unlikely. So I think I don't think they're going to add a quarterback. Okay, they're not going to take anybody at running back. They're stacked there. There's no question in my mind. If you have a question about who they might take, I want to get to that on our message board. But uh, wide receiver, I would say that certainly they could take another receiver. But if you just looked at their depth chart, you would almost say they have to take another receiver. But they only play like a one deep regularly. They don't play even the fourth receiver unless there's an injury. They rotate the tight ends. But I don't see them taking a receiver unless just the perfect one falls in their lap i think josh heupel's approach to wide receiver is similar to what an nba team's approach should be if they have a top five pick in the draft which is it doesn't matter if you need one or not you take what you need or not you take the best player you don't take sam Bowie over michael jordan and so i think that josh heupel's approach is no matter how deep he is at receiver he is always going to try to find more talent there largely because look the, the most important part of Tennessee's system on offense is receivers have to be fast enough to get open. That part is key. It, otherwise, the whole concept fails with the way he spreads the field. And so I think he – I don't think he needs another receiver, but I don't think he would turn down another receiver if one was more elite than what he has. I agree. I think there could be a guy like Thornton who'd call up and say, you know, I got lost in the shuffle in spring practice. I'm interested. Can I come by? Yeah, I think he would take that. And I think he, he holds a spot two or three open uh, for those, which is not what Clemson does. Clemson just takes scholarships from its walk-on players. But nevertheless, <laughs> we caught some heat for that, by the way. Uh, so wide receiver, I don't think they're aggressively out there looking. That was second down. But I think they would take one if they had the opportunity. Uh, offensive line, let me address that. I think Tennessee kind of likes where they are in the offensive line, despite losing Darnell Wright, which is a huge, huge loss. I don't think they love, love where they would be if Darnell Wright was 
on the field in spring and had one more year of eligibility. I think they like, not love. So I think, again, it would have to be the perfect fit for them to take someone at the offensive line position. You? I agree. I think I think an interior lineman is who they're going to look for more than anybody else. Jim Chaney, I remember 12, 13 years ago, this was the Lane Kiffin year, once said, a coach never loves their offensive line situation. They almost never love their depth on their offensive line. But right. I, I can remember asking offensive linemen, like, how many offensive linemen would, would you like to have? Or offensive offensive line coach coaches, and I would ask them, "How many offensive linemen would you like to have?" And they'd say, "Well, I mean, at least ten, at least ten. I mean, that's too deep in every position. That's no yeah. shuffling." And you ask a defensive tackles coach, "Like, how many defensive tackles would you like to have?" At least eight. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> you're not going to have eight John Hendersons and Albert Ainsworths rolling in there. No, you're not going to have that. <laughs> but that's those are the two positions. Like, if you needed the most depth, like, you never are satisfied with your lack of depth on those two positions. So, but, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think they're going to add an offensive line. I think that that's not – again, they're limited on scholarships. As far as we know, they might be more limited on scholarships in the very near future. So yeah, – And John asked about that. What do we think the punishment, punishment will be from the NCAA? So we'll close up with that. But on the other side of the ball – uh, defense is different. I think you would take a dude at uh, almost any position. And I was thinking over the weekend, it may, it may be uh, Gabe Judy Lolly, who I, I said, I don't care if I play in year one. I just want to be a leader and contribute. Uh, but it had me wondering over the weekend, because you really like Trayvon Flowers, and I do too, more than most people probably out there, and the leadership that he was able to exhibit last year. I don't know that you can get a leader in the transfer portal, but would they take another defensive back, linebacker, or defensive lineman? Caleb, this sounds crazy. Yes, they would take them, but I don't think they're craving them. No, and we should note uh, part of this four downs is, as Tennessee just added a defensive line over the week weekend, defensive lineman Amari McNeil has entered the transfer portal. And I think he entered the tra- transfer portal for the same reason Jordan Phillips did in December. Those two defensive linemen entered – not because – not largely, I think, because Tennessee has the rotation they want at defensive line, and I don't think there was a spot for them. Now, defensive line, I think they would – look, if you get a John Henderson in the transfer portal, you take him. Tennessee does not have a John Henderson, Albert Hainsworth on this team. They just don't. I, I like Amari Thomas. He's not on their level. But I think that they st- – so they would take a elite upgrade if they could, but in terms of the rotation, I think they're satisfied. I think if you hold scholarships – you hold it for defensive line and defensive back. I don't even think linebacker, as bad as linebacker was this year, Dave, they added Keenan Peely and Arian Carter. I keep hearing good things about him. Aaron Beasley's but I think they are actually, Aaron Beasley's back. Caleb and Elijah Herring seem to have taken that next step. I think they're finally where they want to be at linebacker. They will be significantly better at linebacker this year. As opposed to this time a year ago, I completely agree with you. Now, we didn't know that Jeremy Banks was going to go off the rails at some point during the the year when all's um, on the table and you miss a practice on Monday and then you try to start a fight with Hendon Hooker later in the week. We didn't know that. But even just – okay, so what do we – this time last year, let's compare the linebacker position real quick, and we'll get to your questions. Uh, Go ahead and hit that thumbs-up button. We bring more people in. But – you want to look just for a second at the linebacker position, not knowing that Jeremy Banks was going to have an issue off the field. I still think it's better as of April 2023 than it was in April 2022. 
You yeah, replace let's... you replace a uh, Jeremy Banks with a Keenan Pilly, who's your middle linebacker, and an Arian Carter, who's more of an outside speed guy who has a lot of upside. I would, along with Aaron Beasley, I would take this trio over what you had Banks, Beasley, and pretty much Solon, it. Uh, Solon Page and Juwan Mitchell last year. Yeah, there's no comparison. This, yeah, this is a much better unit. Yeah, and you still have those two if if you need to turn to them, uh, which I think is is a real possibility. City Heating and Air Conditioning, cityheatandair.com. As the temperatures begin to warm up, you're going to need perhaps some work on your unit. You need to be nice and comfortable. Happy wife, happy life, I can tell you that. Cityheatandair.com. Integrity matters over 50 years right there in Knoxville. City Heating and Air. Dot com city heat and air.com city heating and air conditioning absolutely love them and they bring you our own cooper maze which we'll have up uh, later today so looking forward to that is uh, a lot going on hit the like button john says smash it subscribe share we want to hear that and uh, also billy bob cooter saying jeremy banks was the best wish he had stayed do we i really? think that's sarcastic I think that's sarcastic. Maybe a little sarcastic. Stay tuned. Two minutes coming up on the program. We have got, uh, well, they they just have to change something. So how do the new clock rules affect the University of Tennessee and their high-tempo offense? And they will. Stay tuned. Two minutes. He's Caleb. I'm Dave off the Hooksport and Craving Wings South North Shore location where we've heard people say that you can get the best wings in East Tennessee. Pero quien es este? El número 87, Jacob Warren. I'll just do six for my sauce 87, please. Imposible, señorita. Dale seis más. Look at these wings. Perfectas, deliciosas, fantásticas. Man, I don't know what you're saying, but it sounds awesome. How do you say fresh, never frozen in Spanish? Frescas, nunca congeladas. Make your way to Craving Wings and get you seis más. But what was funny about Cadiz, we were a full continuum of care at that time. We had detox, we had inpatient, we had outpatient. So we were doing a lot of the things that we do now. But now we just do them so much better. It's really a simple program, but it's, we're complicated people. I am what I am, and now i got to do something about it. You can take your life back. Call Cadiz today. Got cataracts? We can fix that. Never miss another moment. With a little help from Drs. Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hahn at CCTIs.com. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us 
Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater. Uh, who's this guy? Hello, wizard. The Dave Hooker Show. Ooh. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Grade A to F on our message board and for Caleb. What was Tennessee's offensive line last year? A to F. Ooh. Ooh. I almost want to go A. Like crazy enough. I, I how do you watch the Alabama game and not say A? How do you watch what T- Darnell Wright did to Will Anderson and not say A at that point? I think it's easy. Eh? I think uh, I could almost go A plus. I mean, they didn't have the greatest day against uh, Georgia and obviously struggles, probably internal strife led to that at South Carolina. So I can't give them an A plus, but if, if I get those two big exceptions or you just have one bad day at Georgia and the rest of the days are fantastic, then I could, I could lean towards an A plus, but Travis says B plus I'm going to go ahead and go a minus guys. I think, I mean, I'm really high on Will Anderson. So that's, that's a factor. And I, he was on my uh, Heisman ballot two years ago. So factor that in, but I think it was an A. I think it was a flat A. If you want to say the A minus, Travis said gave up some huge sacks. One caused an injury. Okay, uh, Travis, you talked me into it. So I'm going to go A minus, and I, I'm going to say that if not for the South Carolina game, it would have been an A. If not for the Georgia game, which Georgia's Georgia, Caleb, right? It would have been uh, an, an A plus. So how much of that well, do you think? Let me share with the Georgia game, though. Real quick. Okay. okay. What could the offensive line do? The issue with the Georgia game was Georgia straight up played one-on-one coverage with Tennessee's receivers outside and, and dared Tennessee's receivers to be able to get open on them. And Tennessee's receivers didn't win those matchups. And that, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think that was a defensive loss like South Carolina. Yeah, I agree. In South Carolina, you point to and you're like, oh, that's a defensive loss. Right. Georgia right. could pretty much do what they wanted to when they wanted to. Okay, so that even strengthens my argument. So I would definitely have – I'm going to go an A-minus just because of South Carolina. Now, Roz, that's a big one, but I'm trying to be objective and look over the entire scope, right? An emotional fan, fan is short for fanatics, might say, Dave, what are you talking about? That cost Tennessee a chance at the college football playoff. But I'm trying to be objective here and look at it as a whole. If Tennessee could get that play, which I'm going to deem as A-minus – if Tennessee could get that play year in and year out for the rest of time, wouldn't you take that? Absolutely. 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 I don't think you realize how Will Anderson could have taken over that game and did against a lot of opponents. So how much of that was tempo? And it leads us to our next topic brought to you by Bassey Lawn and Garden. Man Alive, it's worth the drive. Bassey Lawn and Garden, whether or not you're in Cleveland uh, or Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga, they have the industrial and commercial mowers to get what you need, save you money, thanks to their buying power, Toro, count on it. So this question, Caleb, is pretty simple. How much of that was because of tempo? Because they're toying around with the clock and they're making some changes that I don't think necessarily helps Tennessee. The question is, does it hurt them? So how much of that was tempo? How much of that was Josh Heupel and the approach as opposed to the actual players? 
the success of the line? Yes. Not as much about tempo as you would think. Look at how many sacks Tennessee gave up the year before compared to how many they gave up last year. They were in the same tempo the year before under Josh Heupel, and the line was significantly better. Now, part of that, I'll say, was Hendon Hooker was significantly better. Hendon Hooker's pocket presence, that was – it was – I. It was horrible in 2021, guys. I don't know if you remember how bad his pocket presence was. And he did a 180 on that in 2022. So you could say that was more about Hendon Hooker's improvement and understanding of where he is in the pocket. And the running game, I don't think was as explosive as as you might have hoped it would be. But I I don't think it had as much to do with tempo as you might think because I think the line was just that good. There were a lot of good... I mean... We've talked about this. Cooper Mays may be the best center in next year's draft, if we're being honest. And Darnell Wright is the best right tackle in this year's NFL draft. And Jerome Carvin is incredibly underrated as an interior blocker. You got those guys. It's hard for me to say it had anything to do with Timbo. I think it's just had more to do with talent. No, I agree. And I think that maybe the message board thought I was going to go in a different direction. I wasn't. I think if this team – here's the other thing that this team is – that they do with the exception of a Darnell, right? I mean, there are going to be dudes that show up at 330 pounds and can move just fine. And you're not going to tell them to lose weight, but Tennessee is a lighter offensive line for the most part and can move their feet. So I think Josh Heupel is a little bit ahead of that curve as well as having a lighter offensive linemen that can move their feet. So I'm going to, I'm going to make that a factor, but it does bring me to what the H what the what was he thinking release the hounds the dave hooker show keep cool a presentation of off the hook sports.com okay i'm just gonna go ahead and tell you this is just stupid the ncaa approved rules changes friday proposed earlier this year that would allow the clock to run after first downs are achieved in all divisions except division three i don't know why division three had the major pushback i guess they had commercial inventory they had to clear i have no idea but the clock will continue to stop after first downs during continue the final run. continued run. Um, continue to run after first downs during the final two minutes of each half. So this affects Tennessee. It does. Now, this is not a stoppage of play after a first down where everybody gets a chance to sub, okay, which is one of Tennessee's greatest advantages is they don't allow you to sub. But where this does affect Tennessee is number of plays. Caleb, so the number of plays is going to go down slightly. So let's say that's 10%. I don't think it'll be that high, but let's just say for stuffs and giggles, it's 10%. And they go from about 85 plays to high 70s. Then that final drive, the wear and tear drive on the opposing defense will be affected. They're not playing as many plays. So this is not a great move for Tennessee and what the NCAA is doing just for Tennessee. Is it a good move for college football? No. Why? I mean, college football is one of the few sports, Caleb, that we say to ourselves, that doesn't last too long. You want to talk Major League Baseball before their rules changes. You want to talk some other sports. Some of them last too long. This is the, the whole concept of this is to tighten it up for a TV window. But who has ever said, man, that college football game just lasted too long. I've never heard anybody say that, with the exception of when the overtime seemed to go on and on and on a few years ago. 
Yeah, and, and just to because I, th- I think we got it mixed up when we said it a minute ago. It's the clock will run on first downs until the final two minutes of the game, and then it'll still of the half, and then it'll stop again. Right. So yes. it'll allow for game-winning drives and things like that. And yes, it will still stop under two minutes. Yes, which by the way, I'm going to say something that up front. I hate, 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 hate when sports changes the rules of a game depending on the time of game it is. I, I hate that when they did the out-of-bounds thing with football where out-of-bounds, the clock doesn't stop anymore until it's the final two minutes. I hate the whole you can't fumble the, fall, fumble the ball forward on fourth down. How about just be consistent? You just can't fumble the ball forward, period. It either always stops or doesn't stop when you go out-of-bounds. Like, I'm sorry. I hate when they like do this to help the situational football and make it more entertaining. I think it's dumb. Sorry, that's just my one rant. I think rules should be uniform no matter what the time of the game it is. I agree with that. Yeah. And so that's my one big pet peeve of this. I'm with you. The thing people don't understand about college football, more than any other sport, and people on the message boards correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like college football, even where I am, up here in D.C., where nobody cares about college football, the people that do go to the college football games, they make a whole day out of it. People expect college football to be an all-day affair. That's not other sports. It's not like other sports. You know, NFL, you go watch your team at one or four, and then you call it a day. You do whatever else you have to do on a Sunday. Baseball, you go to work, you do whatever, and then you go to the game that night. Basketball, same thing. Football, college football is an all-day thing. There's no reason to shorten the game because, I mean, Dave, you cover college football for 15 years for for the Knoxville New Sentinel. When you covered it, you knew that was an all-day job, right? That was 7 a.m. to midnight or 1 a.m. in the morning and listen i've never heard anybody say man that game drug on not one no. time in my life not um, once. now now i will say now, now mr jones brings up a point which you you read right into the direction i was going fake injuries and we know who does fake injuries as much as anyone he goes by the initial lk um and he all but admits it on Twitter in kind of a suave way and just works it in there and that sort of thing. But and you can't blame me either because if they're not going to change the rules, I'd do it. <laughs> you can't. You're right. And what can you? But how can you even change the rules? I mean, if that's John says, unless you're a Vandy fan, it drags on too long. It does for Vandy fans. Well, I know you can change the injuries rule. That's easy. How fix it? Because I haven't heard a good one, so I'm I'm probably gets, about to shoot yours down. But I'll be open minded. If a player gets hurt, they have to miss the remainder of that drive and the next drive, the next time okay. the game is on the field. See, here's why that doesn't work. What if it's just a little nick, a little bang, and he needs to go out for just a second, and then okay, what you're doing by doing that. And it sounds good. Don't get me wrong, Caleb. You know I love you and I love your judgment. I think you're great. But here's what it does for a player. He's going to say, man, I just kind of tweak my ankle. I just kind of have a stinger. I'm going to stay out here because I don't want to miss the rest of this drive and the next drive. Oh, so you think it's encouraging players to play hurt, which they're trying to stop? Yes. Okay. I that That's a good point. I didn't even Just like it's hurt. encouraging players to give bad baseline tests on CTI stuff. They're acting dumb when they get their baseline test in August before they start hitting. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that they lower the bar so that when they get tested in November, like, oh, you have the same cognitive ability that you had in early August, but they were playing dumb back then. 
I think you'll have players that'll force themselves to stay on the field. See, I don't know how to fix it. I'm going to Caleb. Yeah, now now that you say that, I never thought about that. But now, like other rules in other sports is easy to fix. Like, you know, basketball, the intentional foul, to stop intentional fouling, you foul out. You know, in baseball, I think to stop intentional walks, I think if you get walked a second time in a game, everybody, you, you get to second base, not first base. And you advance two bases. Um, okay. You know and- what play would have never happened? Giving what your your recommendation, which is a good one. I'm not ripping the recommendation. I don't think Jeff Coleman would have come out of the Arkansas game, which uh, uh, allowed one Billy Ratliff to come in and force a fumble of one Clint Sterner back in 1998. Because Jeff Coleman was gassed, and he came to the sidelines. He's like, I just need a player to get out there, Billy. And Billy runs out there after admitting he had been beaten down by Brandon Burlesworth, rest his soul, the entire game and somehow beat Burlesworth. But Jeff Coleman probably says, I'm not coming off the field because I'm just gassed. I'm going to get through this. And Tennessee probably loses to Arkansas, and there's never a national championship game. There is still a national championship. I've broken it broken it down how the national championship Caleb, happens. Caleb is taking away your national title, Tennessee fans. No, I, Dave is taking away your national title. We got to talk about this with Fred White on Friday, okay? This is the most unfair narrative ever written against Tennessee football, okay? They win the national title regardless of that fumble. Was that fumble a lucky play? Yes, Tennessee wins it regardless, and I've broken down why. One, they still would have gotten the ball back with about 30 seconds left had the fumble not happened, and they only needed a field goal to win. Two, even if they lose, they would have met Arkansas again in the SEC championship game. They would have won that game, and based on the BCS and the formula at the time, they would have been one of the top two teams. So All I'm saying is that with your changes, Jeff Coleman's probably like, Man, I'm not taking myself out. I won't be out even the next drive. So then Tennessee's a 12-1 national title team instead of a 13-0 national title team. Hey, Vol Twitter, do you really care if you're 12-1 or 13-0, or do you just care about that championship? 13-0 sounds good. <laughs> no, I mean, it has a different ring to it, doesn't it? It, it does. It does have, have, a better re- have a better ring to it. But, <laughs> but yes, I, I, look, I, that's a fair point. I don't know how to address that maybe this thing with the but you know now that i think about it okay Dave, let's think about this for a minute now that we talked this out i'm not so sure this is going to hurt tennessee the way you think but the new rules change with the clock running on first down because okay they're going to get a first down if a team's trying to slow the tempo they're going to fake an injury the clock's stopping on first down anyway like i think tennessee moves so fast it's less relevant for tennessee than it is for another school that when they get a first down and the clock's running, it's kind of my problem is actually I say let the clock run on first down the whole game because Tennessee is more equipped to run a two minute drill with the clock running on first down than other teams are. But still, you would agree fewer plays at the end of the day would not benefit Tennessee, but that yes. fatigues the defense long term. I agree. I agree. It, it doesn't benefit Tennessee as much. I think this team is going to be a little bit different than last year's team, though, and we've talked about this. They're going to be using more plays to get down the field this year anyway than they've used in the past couple of years. And so I think it's not going, you know, Hooker, with Hooker's deep ball, I think we both agree. Josh Heifel, he was a score in six plays or less last year, wasn't he? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's going to be more of a score in 10 plays maybe this year. 
on offense. So I think you're going to see a lot more of those. And so that that would be huge. And that's where the program needs to go. But if everything were status quo from last year and having eight to 10 less plays to wear down a defense, I do think would be a factor towards the end of the game when, when some teams were running ragged. But uh, also what you have to remember is like you said, if Tennessee's used to this tempo, then I don't think it's going to change very much. I just don't know the, I don't know the reasoning behind it. And I, I mean, to me, if you're going to make adjustments with the clock and substitutions, you better figure out how to do the fake injury thing. And I don't know how nobody has come to me with an idea that I like Caleb, you were close, but nobody's come to me yet with an idea that I like. I got an idea. I got an idea. I got a new one. Here's how you fix fake injuries. So I'm going to tell you guys a story because I'm a big Grizzlies fan. And during the grit and grind Grizzlies era, Blake Griffin and the Clippers beat us in a series one year by just flopping nonstop. Zach Randolph decided, okay, you want to draw a foul by flopping? I'm going to actually foul you. I want to make you feel what you're pretending to feel. And so from then on, he just hard fouled Blake Griffin before Blake Griffin could ever flop. And that shut it down. Do you want players to stop faking injuries? Maybe make them feel what they're claiming to feel if you're an offensive lineman. Just get a hit in. Get a hit in on a player. I'm not sure what what happened to Caleb, but he turned a little evil there. Just got a little angry look at him. Oh, no, he's going to go into the accent, which some people had some thoughts on. Stay tuned. Two minutes while the Vols basketball team is significantly better than it was last year and also why Alabama – after spring practice, could be in a whole lot of trouble behind center. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. Two minutes off to sports. I know you like the heat. You've got to try my signature sauce, 87. Dude, you know I love you, and I love to try your wing sauce, but when it comes to wings, I need them really hot. I hit 105 on the radar gun. I need to be pretty spicy. Yeah, I know that, man. Look, if sauce 87 isn't enough for you, I guess you can try the Holy Moses or the Grim Reaper. Mmm, now we're talking. Take it from these Farragut admirals. When you're craving wings, it's got to be Craven Wings. Visit them online at cravenwings.com. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Air Before tennis, I was I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. 
Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we wanna be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Who's this guy? Hello, wizard! The Dave Hooker Show, Ooh. a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Alabama appears to be in big-time trouble at the quarterback position. We'll get into that. And also, Tennessee's basketball program is completely rebuilt, and Caleb loves it. Loves every guy they took thinks this is a Final Four team, is big on to Rick Barnes and Santiago Vescovi. He is all on board. He's actually wearing a uh, Bernie King jersey underneath his sport coat today. Right? I am not wearing a Bernard King jersey underneath my sport coat. I respect and love Bernard King. Got a lot of respect for it, for him. But, uh, yeah, not wearing a Bernard King jersey. But I am high as we'll get to in a second, on Tennessee's third transfer. I'm high, I was high on the first, high on the third, just not high on the second. Gotcha. You're like the Snoop Dogg of Tennessee prospects. Get uh, <laughs> high on your own supply. All right, so uh, you wanted to go. Travis says, if you make every player take three plays off for injury, it's just enough to keep them from faking and not enough to make them play through. All right, so we discussed this in the last segment. Here's the issue, though. Are how are the officials supposed to possibly keep track of that? You could have three players in and out on three different plays. College football has a lot of money. They can hire somebody to track substitutions. Okay. I mean, just you're high. No, I'm not. Um, no, this person can't be high. Whoever's doing this, though. Like, yes, bro. They're just in the game. Let them go back out. <laughs> I don't see how you can keep track of three or four people. I mean, I think you could. This guy's been out for three plays. This guy's been out for two plays. This guy's been out for three plays. The ref goes to the scores table in basketball all the time to say, give this person this foul, put the foul on this person. In football, ref can buzz upstairs to to the press box and say, this person's out for three plays. That person's out for three plays. There's nothing you can do. I, I think I think we just came up with Sorry. a solution, Dave, and I think I think there's just nothing. I've got. I think, I've I think, Dave, I think Dave is just Dave is holding firm. I've thought it out over hours. I don't know how in the world. And now we've got Travis saying the opposing coach would keep track. So you're going to have like an in addition to a get back coach, which means get back off the field, stay on the sidelines, get back, get back. Everybody's got a get back coach. So now you're going to have a sub coach. It's going to watch the other team. And if, if you've ever been on the sidelines of a football field, it's hard to see anything. I, I mean, make I this, you make this work, Caleb, and you've built a better mousetrap. I don't think there's a better mousetrap. I still don't understand why coaches don't hire so many more analysts to, like, you know, give them common sense. I've always said every coach should have a math coach to be like, analytically, what's the best move for my win probability right here? But, you know, that's that's been my philosophy. 
the only the the only reason they don't have that is because football sco- uh, coaches are mo- more old school than any other coach. I know they think they understand the game better than anybody, and they think they're super smart. In reality, most of y'all were just former players who stumbled <laughs> up the ladder to become head coaches, and you're not very bright. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, no, but uh, to some extent, uh, you're right on that. All right, so. Uh, Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, before we get to Tennessee and their rebuilt basketball roster, it's uh, pretty impressive. We'll get Caleb's thoughts on that. But uh, Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. So the thinking was at the University of Alabama that the Crimson Tide there in Tuscaloosa would just find another quarterback. Maybe it's Milrow before we saw him struggle mightily last year, especially with turnovers. Maybe it's Ty Simpson the highly regarded Tennessee prospect that's going to step into that role. But the story was supposed to read as this after Bryce Young ascended to being one of the greatest players in recent history at the quarterback position, winning the Heisman trophy arguably should have won uh, one too, that now a Milrow or Simpson are just going to jump in there. Like Alabama has had happen over and over again to give, the Crimson Tide, at least adequate, if not very good, quarterback play. After the spring game this weekend, there's reason for me to believe that Alabama could be in the transfer portal because I don't think anybody was wowed by Milrow or Simpson. How scary is this quarterback situation for the University of Alabama as you see it, Caleb Callahan? Very scary. I'm going to say this now. I've been saying for a while, this is Nick Saban's dynasty is not done. In two years, they'll be back. But for this year, Alabama's in trouble. They're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Anybody who watched Jalen Milrow last year knows he can't play. Sorry, no disrespect. I don't, I'm not going to do what Stephen A. Smith has done to Kwame Brown over the last 10 years, 20 years of the NBA. I'm not going to treat him like that. But Jalen Milrow can't play. Can't play in the SEC. And they needed Ty Simpson to be ready. Guys, Ty Simpson threw two interceptions in the spring game was awful. I don't know if you watched any of the 8A game. It was horrible. Yes. Now, Dave, did. you have talked about in the past, to be fair, Ty Simpson – or in spring, the defense is always ahead of the offense, typically. But you still expect your quarterback to be able to be semi-decent by the spring game, don't you? If your quarterback's any worth any worth salt at all by the fall? Yes, and I want to add something else in there, not to throw you off your thought. But the other thing is you would expect if Alabama felt good about one of these quarterbacks, they might prop them up to look a little bit better in the spring game, and that was not the case. That is true. That's Which a makes me good. think they used it as another practice, whereas Tennessee used it as 60,000 fan celebration, right? That wasn't a real game at all. But I thought Alabama yeah. used it more for a practice, and I thought they both looked horrible. I agree. That's a good point, which is even more disturbing. Here's the other problem. By this time in the transfer portal, every quarterback that's hitting the portal is a quarterback that probably isn't good enough to start at Alabama. Because if you're hitting the portal around this time, it's because you're not good enough to start at the school you're at. For those who don't know, Harrison Bailey just entered the portal, the former Tennessee quarterback who transferred to UNLV. I think Harrison Bailey is just having trouble finding a place to start, even though he was a five-star coming out of high school. Happens. Who are they going to get now from the portal? Every quarterback that's entered the portal that was worth that that you could see as a potential superstar quarterback, they entered the portal in January. None of them enter the portal in April unless they're desperate to find a place to play. 
No, I mean, if you enter it in April, you've officially been told by your coach after spring camp that you're not the guy, right? I mean, nobody's exactly. going to leave if they're and, – and listen, they can kind of toy back and forth with these guys. They can say, well, you're still in the running. There's a top two. But the bottom line is the players know who's going to be the first stringer. So, yeah. I mean, he, he, he has a – now, with the Harrison Bailey thing, the thing that I, I find a little bit disappointing and disturbing about that is I think that he has the physical ability to play at a UNLV, arguably had the physical ability to play at a University of Tennessee. So this, to me – is where the transfer portal is probably doing him a disservice. It's too easy to leave. You, you need to stick it out for a little bit longer to find out if if you're going to be able to compete for a job. I think that's a little bit too short of a time. But, um, I mean, basically, if you're Alabama, you're looking at Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, or picking up scraps. Yeah. And if you're – that exactly. And if you're Tennessee at this point – Remember how much Tennessee wanted Ty Simpson and Tennessee fans thought he was going to go to Tennessee? Yeah. I think you're, I think you're happy at the, about the situation now if you're Tennessee. I think you might have – I'm not so sure Ty Simpson was missed on, but he might not be capable of playing at this level in this offense. Look, I, I, but, but on a broader scale, Dave, I'm, I'm bringing up Alabama's schedule right now, and the one thing working in their favor is – like Tennessee, they actually have a more favorable schedule than you might think because the toughest teams they face, they get them at home this year, including Tennessee, obviously, um, and LSU. I would say that's the – you would agree that's their two toughest games, right, Tennessee and LSU? Yes. yes. Yeah. They get all of them – I mean, they get both of them at home. They got Mississippi State on the road going through – oh, and they get Ole Miss at home, and they get Texas at home. So their four toughest games are all at home this year. Their road games are Mississippi State – Texas A&M, Kentucky, and Auburn. I think yeah, Auburn. I, th- I, th- I think that to, to some extent we're, we're missing the point. I mean, they may beat Tennessee and LSU because they're at home, but are they really – the question that you ha- have to ask yourself if you're an Alabama fan from now on, is this team good enough to beat the current Georgia team? No. That's your, that's your only barometer. No, and on a new success, right? I mean, finish. Well, I was going. It was on a neutral okay. field. I don't on a neutral field. I don't think this team could beat LSU or Tennessee this year. That's my hot take. Alabama on a neutral field would lose to LSU and Tennessee. They would lose to Georgia anywhere, and that's a big problem for this program. I mean, I'm seeing. That's why I'm saying, like, I'm seeing them losing one of the four road games, just slipping up. I think maybe like. Hugh Freeze will throw out everything with Auburn because Hugh Freeze actually is pretty good coaching against Nick Saban. So you might see a shocker with Auburn. And look, they're going to lose to Tennessee or LSU or Ole Miss. One of those teams is going to beat them in Tuscaloosa this year. Book it. And I think, gun to my head, I would still pick Tennessee and Tuscaloosa right now. I'm going to be honest with you. What do you think that'll be, like a four to six point Alabama favorite? Well, it depends on what Alabama does up until that point. They will have just come off playing Arkansas, who could have a rebound year. And if, but if they beat Arkansas pretty significantly, I think Vegas odds makers would over, would freak out and just give them a ten point spread with Tennessee coming. Here's the other thing too. Remember this: you you pick Jalen Milrow to run an up tempo offense where your quarterback runs around a lot. So even if if he turned out to be 
great in that regard. You're changing your offensive system. You brought in a whole new offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I agree with you. I think it's a time of transition, and there's just too much transition to overcome. Um, if both undefeated, Travis says Bama by seven, I think that's about right. But you yeah. got to remember, as long as Nick Saban's there, even if that program does slide back a little bit, that number is going to be so overly inflated for decades because people have made money betting on his number. T- Tennessee I, fans are the same way, by the way. When they go through a good run, they inflate that number. They do. You're better off betting against Tennessee most of the time. But a lot of times they get it right. I would never, One of the things that threw me off when I first learned about how lines work, this was 2000, and this is a funny game. You'll find this hilarious. It was South Carolina's like resurgent year under Lou Holtz. Remember that? Their second Lou Holtz's yes. second year. And Tennessee's having a rebuilding year. They're like three and four or three and three or something like that, going to play a ranked South Carolina on the road. And Tennessee was a favorite. And it just, I'm like, how was Tennessee a favorite? They won that game. And it's just, I, I think that Vegas, I will say, doesn't overreact. They they look at long-term trends more than they look at year-by-year situations. They've always done that. True. May I ask you this? Your Alabama, do you take a quarterback in the transfer portal or do you obviously you would take a phenom okay if caleb williams were transferring again like he did from oklahoma to southern california you'd take him right right but short of that aren't you sending a signal to the rest of your football team that i have a lot of faith in this jalen and ty guy if you take another guy i think you have to take another guy we know what Jalen can't do. We saw it last year. But there's, there's not no great, but there's not going to be a great guy in in the no, portal. Yeah. But there's not. I mean, here's what I think. Look, there. This is a. This is. I said from the start. This is a transition rebuilding year for Alabama. They're not going anywhere under Nick Saban. They're still going to be a national title contender in the future. This year, though, they're in trouble. Ty Simpson was already in the program for a year. They put all their eggs into Ty Simpson being their future, and he was awful in the spring. There's, it's not like he was a freshman. It's not like Nico Iamaliava coming in in December or in March and struggling. No, Ty Simpson's been there since January of last year. Why was he so bad? That's a real question worth asking. And I, and we watched Alabama last year. Look, Alabama last year's Alabama team is an eight and four team without Bryce Young. They're easily eight and four. And I think that they are, are we, we going to tell, are we going to, are we to believe that they fully restocked the talent everywhere else outside of quarterback from last year in just one year? Like, I know it's Alabama, but, and I know they just had the number one recruiting class, but I really think they're in trouble this year. And I think they have to take the quarterback because what happens with this, Dave, if you're Nick Saban, what happens if you do fall to, and I don't think this will happen, but what, what happens if your quarterback play is so bad, you stumble to like something awful, like seven and five. Well, you know, the whole narrative around the country then is going to be Nick Saban's lost it and his time is done. And that's going to kill him in recruiting. Yeah, I think you can overcome one of those years. I don't think you can overcome two. But clearly, if there is a guy in the transfer portal, and there's not going to be, that's anywhere close to Nico. Ia Male Ava. Ia Male Ava. That's right then he is going to be a guy that Alabama should go after. I just don't know that there's going to be a guy in the portal. More basketball news. This this basketball program, its roster has completely changed since this time last week. Caleb, what do you think of the newest addition? And get your thoughts on this basketball team. Is it 
has added what three transfers since this time last week. Yes, they have added three transfers. I was high on the first, not high on the second, and I'm high on the third. So the first was Jordan Ganey, came from USC Upstate. He is a another spot-up shooter, 41% from three. Perfect type of player to complement what Rick Barnes needs, given how awful the offense was shooting at times last year. Second player was a 6'6", Chris Ledlam from Harvard. No idea why Rick Barnes wanted him. That is what's evidence of Rick Barnes being another old-school guy. Guy may have averaged close to 10 rebounds in the Ivy League. If you're going for a big, take like, what, four rebounds off of that in the SEC? Like, just because he was a great rebounder in the Ivy League at 6'6", doesn't mean he's going to be that in the SEC, and he's not a good three-point shooter. So on Friday, just as we wrapped up our show and got ready for the weekend, I believe this is the name is pronounced Knet, Dalton Knet from Northern Colorado, or maybe just Dalton Knet, K-N-E-C-H-T. He is a 6'6 spot-up shooter. I am really high on him. I think him with Jordan Ganey and Santiago Vescovi returning, even though I got my issues with Vescovi, as y'all know, I think that this makes this team a much better outside shooting team than they were last year. And that's a big deal because that's the one thing they had to fix. Okay, so are, are we now to the point where you're looking at a basketball team that's Zakai Ziegler is dribble, drive, dish. Kick to the outside, Tennessee better hit some three-pointers more than they did last year. Absolutely. Is that, that the team we're looking at? That's absolutely the team we're looking at. If they're not – if they're not much better from three next year, that's a big problem because you got, we're not even talking about, they got a lot of young guards that were four stars that were in the program this year that didn't play much because they had to develop some that were red shirts. Like Jemai Meshack, I still think is going to get even better. BJ Edwards is going to emerge as a point guard. And they added a few other guys from last year's recruiting class. I'm already forgetting their names, but ones who really didn't play at all last year. And, and, and so they, they should have enough offensive firepower to and, and then add the fact that Cameron Carr is a commitment to this year's class, and they got two bigs, JP Estrella and Cade Phillips. Yes, yes, they need to have enough offensive firepower, regardless of whether or not Josiah Jordan James stays. That's that's kind of where that's where I'm at. And want to take umbrage with uh, some of your criticism of Santiago Vescovi, um, and there was a lot of it on the message board. Let me ask you this question, and I, I agree he has his limitations. If he's never asked to play the point because Ziegler goes down, if he's just his guy, and I know that happened with about six games left in the regular season, but if he's just his guy playing the two, are we looking at his season in a much different light? Tennessee may go a little bit deeper. He's more comfortable at that position. No. His issues were prevalent. <laughs> so the question was, were you too hard on Viscovi last week? And the answer is a quick no. No, I, because I'm, I was doing this in the season before Zakai Ziegler got hurt. That's true. He was. So it's Viscovi was struggling and was an issue beforehand. So, no, I think Viscovi, I need proof that Viscovi is mentally tough enough to handle the pressure. I don't know that he is. Dave, can you develop a clutch gene? I don't know if that's possible. I mean, I will say some players have done it. Dirt Nowitzki in the NBA melted down in the 2006 NBA Finals, came back in 2011, and dominated. LeBron melted down in the 2011 NBA Finals. Then he went back-to-back and won two titles where he totally took over those two finals. So I think you can develop some mental toughness in a clutch gene. 
but I haven't seen the Viscovi develop it yet. And until he does, I got to say, I don't think he's mentally cut out to handle the pressure and expectations that are going to come with him returning and being expected to be the leading scorer on next year's team. Okay, who has been a Vol who developed a clutch gene while at Tennessee? A Vol who developed a clutch gene. I got one for you. I would say Jawan Smith. Ooh, that's a good one. I was going to go John Higgins. Did he ever develop a clutch gene? He never shot the ball as much as he should have. No, he didn't. there wasn't the quantity, but I thought throughout his career, he felt more comfortable in taking that shot later on. Yeah, I thought John Higgins was almost a waste of an elite shooter. Like the guy should have been firing. All, maybe that was Buzz Peterson not being smart enough to tell John Higgins he should be shooting a lot more from outside. <laughs> it could be. Well, you know, Buzz Peterson, though, uh, Michael Jordan was in his wedding. Oh, that's right. Yes. Well, as he's always quick to remind. Um, uh, Mr. Jones said Scotty Hobson, Jordan McRae, Scholar McBee, did they develop clutch genes while Did they changed? develop clutch genes or did they just develop? You know what I mean? There's like kind of a difference. Like, were they like, there's a difference between developing a clutch. I'm talking about a player who was elite, but you couldn't trust them in the big moments. And then a time came around where you could trust them in the big moments. I mean, some people would say, I think this is totally unfair, by the way, who I'm going to name, but people would say this was Peyton Manning. They would say he struggled in the clutch and then he overcame his demons in the 2006 AFC title. Anybody who actually watched Peyton in college knew he was clutch from the start. And I mean, that SEC title game in 97 is the most clutch performance I've ever seen a college football quarterback put on no i don't think he had a problem with clutch i think the entire program when it faced florida had a problem with being tight yes and there was game planning issues and defensive issues and peyton's biggest problem was he was so methodical in preparing for defenses but i remember him saying one time he actually said this in an interview he said it's not that playoff it's not it's not that i play worse in the playoffs or that playoff defenses outsmart me it's just they're not that complex in the playoff defenses in the NFL aren't that complex. They're just that good. So there's not a lot of smarts you can do to overcome the talent on the other side. Wait, a question about um, David Hobbs would, if he had assigned to Alabama, he would have been a five-star. Yeah, I think you're right. <clears throat> I've talked about this before. Um, and, and I think that some of these guys would be more highly recruited that we're talking about in basketball. If they signed with Kentucky, I think you get a boost I think that uh, you, you see that with the individual recruiting services. Now, I think it depends on which of the recruiting services, if it's on 3247, Scout, whatever the case may be. If they still have a, a strong site, you tend to see uh, them get favorable rankings, and that's not going to change. Yes, but let's be clear on this here. There's two things that give players favorable rankings. One is unobjective. One is biased to who the followers are. The unobjective one, I would say, is, yes, these services add ratings to players if powerhouse schools offer them because what they think is if Nick Saban wants this player, he must be good. On the other hand, an underrated recruit's really usually not going to be picked up by Tennessee guys because Tennessee has such a presence in the recruiting sphere. They have such an online following. I think a recruit's more likely to be overrated if they're signed by Tennessee than Alabama because Tennessee fans are much more online than Alabama fans are. Tend to agree with that. But really, the recruiting ranking shouldn't change regardless. You should use your own talent evaluators, but that's just not the case. At most well, it's so it's funny you say that because analytic, like 538 one year, did the, the best year they did the, bra gra the bracket, they talked about like the best method to do the bracket. And they said all these formulas that should go to picking every team. And then they did say, hey, guys, 
you should factor in the seed of a team when you're picking a team in the NCAA tournament. That should actually be a factor, even if it's arbitrary. So I think I think these services are analytical, and I think part of what's factored into it is who's offering them to a certain degree. I agree, but if a guy picks Tennessee, which has a strong on-three site over West Virginia – he shouldn't get an extra star just because he picked Tennessee. Yes, that's politicking because they would do it because of Tennessee's strong following. But if they're doing it with like because Tennessee is a top 10 program and they're like, oh, if Josh Heibel's offering him, he must be good. Then I understand that because I think that is part of their that is part of analytically of how they break down these prospects. For people that think recruiting rankings mean nothing, though, guys, every national champion since online recruiting rankings started in 1999 has had three of their four-year classes up to that championship team be in the top five in recruiting rankings. They matter. Yeah, they do. And I hate the stat uh, right before the Super Bowl that says, <clears throat> well, out of the 100 guys playing in the Super Bowl, uh, 75 were three stars. Well, the vast majority of prospects each and every year are three stars. There's only like a dozen five-star guys each and yeah, every year. exactly. <laughs> um, so it's not apples to apples. I tell you what's apples to apples. So make your pet feel better. Crafttreats.com. Go to crafttreats.com. Use the promo code off the hook. That's off the hook. Get 20% off the chill pills, which will help with your pet's digestive issues, arthritis, and also anxiety issues. They're awesome. The chill pills with CBD or any other holistic awesome treat they have at crafttreats.com. Just be sure and use the promo code off the hook. That's off the hook to get 20% off. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.